0: Guys, everybody, welcome back to the RIFLE ONLY ACCURACY podcast. Uh, Dave's with us. Say hi, Dave.
1: Hey, what's going on, guys? What
0: kind of what kind of cave have you been in, man? That you've been hard to get a hold of, and uh,
1: everything. Was- well, we can. I don't want to get too much into politics, but uh, you could thank uh, Uncle Joe. We are Uncle busy. Joe. Yeah, we we're really busy in the um, line of work that I do. Uh, federal law enforcement will go as far as saying that. And I yeah. am working the amazing shift of a uh 11 p.m to 9 a.m oh wow wow yeah. yeah i mean i'm getting used to it but uh it's yeah. uh it's definitely a different
0: yeah how long are you going to be on that that's good oh
1: that's it's hard to say we've uh we're actually mm, much hate to say it. we're really productive on that shift so probably a while
0: probably a while all right all right well i guess the first thing that uh i'll speak for both of us is i want to make an apology to everybody out there for being so long between podcasts but We've had classes going here the whole time. Dave's been busy, shift change, that he's getting used to. Uh, not really an excuse, but we should have taken out some time to do this because we are way overdue for it. But uh, it is what it is, and we're back now. Uh, like I say, the whole guiding principle of this is just to build better shooters. You know what I mean? It's, uh, that's what we do. It's everything uh, center fire and room fire. And in today's, today's podcast, we're going to be talking about both of them pretty extensively. But um, I guess we can go right into it. Uh, Dave, do you have anything to add before I get into
1: it? No, just the same thing. Sorry, it's been a kind of hectic. Uh, a lot on my end, uh, getting used to this uh, uh, new, uh, I guess, the lifestyle at the moment. But now we've yep. got a schedule figured out. We got it good, so we should be able to uh, make things happen. Uh, it might be, uh, might be a day or two, or actually a day after a recording. We get it uploaded, but that's still going to be better than what we've done. All
0: right. Well, maybe, maybe when you, I know you're, I know you're planning to make a trip to Rifle Valley tomorrow. Maybe we can knock out another one.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that's a good
0: idea. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Okay. Well, uh, as we have stated in the last podcast, um, we set up that email, R O A P at com, And it's the email address for people to send in questions to the podcast. And it has been blowing up lately. Um, and I, I really, really appreciate you guys interacting with us like that, that putting up that email address was a way I kept telling y'all to text me or whatever, and you wouldn't do it. But whenever it comes to email, y'all will email. So I appreciate that. Now we're getting some feedback and it's really been good. How's, how's our downloads doing?
1: Oh man. Um, I'll have to go back and look, but we are, well, uh, we're probably almost at 20,000 now. We, we hit 10,000 quite a ways back. And considering, you know, how short a time and how little episode, how many few episodes we have so far, that's that we really appreciate that. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, that is good. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. All right, well, let's go, let's go right into the questions. Uh, the first question comes from a really, really good friend of mine who's based out of California. I think a lot of him and, uh, Uh, he says, what are your thoughts on cleaning a barrel Can a a dirty barrel significantly affect accuracy? And, uh, I, I know that you and I might think a little bit different on this, David, so I'm going to let you go first.
1: Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm a blue, I say clean the barrel. Um, not necessarily, you don't want to go overboard or anything like that. Uh, my personal philosophy, or I hear everybody say, and there's, there's, uh, not much wrong with this. If you keep an eye on your. Your rifle, they, a lot of people say, I don't clean until accuracy declines. The slight issue I have with that is that we don't get to decide when the accuracy is going to decline. And you, you also need to know your rifle too, because sometimes decline means really bad and sometimes decline just means not as good. So you, you need to know your rifle. But generally speaking, if you keep your rifle clean um, or relatively clean, then the accuracy never degrades, at least in my experience. And so, if I'm if I'm at a match, uh, you know, it's a little local match, then maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't. But if I'm at a two day match, or I'm on a, a hunt that costs five hundred, or five thousand, or fifty thousand dollars, I don't want that barrel to decide, or you know, to stop shooting, or or accuracy to degrade at the exact wrong time. So I believe in keeping my regularly keeping mine clean. And that never happens. Uh, and I've, at least with all the barrels I've went through, and I, I'm using good barrel blanks, your, your, um, your Schillings, your Snyders, your Kriegers, Bartlins, all that stuff. So I've never had an issue. I, I can clean it down, almost get all the carbon and copper out at four, five, six shots, and everything's fouled back up and shooting well. So my opinion is, well, one, yes, I do think it can at some point, Um it can hinder your accuracy or your precision or both. Um, sometimes it might take 500 rounds for your uh, barrel to do that. It could take 5,000, depending on what it is. It's just uh, cartridge caliber dependent and barrel and uh, powder combo dependent. But in general, I feel that if you do a regular cleaning, uh, you don't have to ever worry about that.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I'm, mine's not that much different. Uh, what I like to do is I like to keep track of my rounds and then whenever the accuracy degrades and it could be at a hundred rounds, it could be at 500 rounds. I had one, uh, seven, six, two barrel, that mm-hmm. it would go 100 rounds between cleaning. But like if I've got one that's degrading off like at 200 rounds, well, when I get to that 180 round point, I clean it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I get the jump on it and clean it there. Um, and then uh, another 180 rounds I'll clean it. And then, you know, I, it, again, accuracy never falls off because I'm keeping track of it. Right. And I've screwed barrels too in my life. And it's uh, that's been pretty consistent. Um, one of the things that, um, about cleaning, you know, the, the thing is the, the barrel, the barrel is made of metal. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? They're either going to be stainless or going to be some kind of steel. And whenever you put some cleaning solvents in there, um, the cleaning solvent doesn't really know the difference between copper jacketing material and the metal and yeah. it needs, needs equal vigor. And I know that there are some products out there that do not fit that, that, um, definite description. But again, you know, the UR, whenever you pull in black out of there, yeah, you might be getting carbon, but you could also be getting steel out of your barrel. Um there was one gun that we had years ago when Frank Galley was still down here. We called it SH fifty and it was the it was the house gun that we gave to people whenever their gun broke. We handed them this gun was a three oh eight and it shot really, really good. And uh so finally it got to the point where it, it needed some work on it. Mm-hmm. And uh I sent it up to George and um, George got it. He got the work on it. He says, I'm going to go swap. I'm going to go ahead and swap the barrel too. And I said, George, don't swap the barrel, man. Don't swap the barrel. It's still half a minute. And uh, he said, no, nah, man, I'm swapping the barrel. Finally, he he gave me a, a little uh, foul language. He mm-hmm. said he was changing the gun uh, up on me. and uh, So, which is good. It's fine. Uh, so anyway, he sent the other barrel back and it didn't have any rifling for like the first four. Inches. And so, I mean, it still, but it didn't have any rifling on it for the first four inches, but it was still a half minute barrel. I didn't know Really, how that worked or anything else, but we went back and looked at it, and uh, you know Frank and I spent some time talking about it. And I Monero mean, Snake figured it might have been cleaned five times, and it had well, right, well, right at the twenty thousand round mark. So, and uh, without you know with the cleaning regimen that we did at that point was just, and even now is still just a boar snake, you know, boar snake half a dozen times, and then you know go back to work with it. Not not real big on the cleaning solvents. Now that that's not to say I don't clean my guts. You know mm-hmm. I'm going to clean my lock, up, I'm going to clean my raceways, my bolt base, all that kind of stuff to make them function. But the boars, man, the boars are pretty tough. You know, they're, they're made for that. And, um, now, you know, now it's like, okay, accuracy on my gun dropped off. Well now, now it's only shooting a half minute. You know what I mean? Where before it was shooting, you know, in the twos or something like that. But yeah, yeah, I guess it's the the definition of accuracy. And Ken, I guess the second part of that question is, um, you know, can a di- dirty barrel affect accuracy? And, and the answer is, is most resemblingly yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And uh, so, I think I, I was going to ask, but I think you, you covered it. Your routine maintenance—you do with a bore stake or, or whatnot—and what kind of, what do you do to when you want to clean your barrel? That's it.
0: boar That's
1: all. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And
0: and it, I, mean, mm-hmm. I'll, I mean, I mean, I will. I will tell you. There's a there's a lot of new products out there. You know, from a you know a lot of really big name companies that uh, I just haven't got to uh, time to try them out, but I'm hearing some fantastic things out there, you know, from some of the different companies and, and maybe we can, maybe we can look at that because I've I've got a list of those companies and, um, I want to order in some of their stuff and try it out, you know, and, and see if it's doing it and see if my, my opinion will change on this because I'm not, I'm definitely not married to that. If something else is going to work, then I'm going to change because it's, you know, everything is changing in the shooting industry now. And you can't just be static and say, okay, my way or the highway, you know, that doesn't work.
1: Yeah. And that, I think you just hit on something even more important. I mean, just generally with cleaning or anything else is, uh, a lot of us that have been around any length of time. We remember when, I mean, things moved, but they didn't move as fast as they do now. We're at light speed on things are changing so fast. So yep. a lot of guys, I think they're, they've been around a while or guys, gal shooters, whoever uh they're still in their mindset they don't remember things changing this fast so they're willing to really hold on to some things that are that have changed and they're just yeah. not adapting to that. And I just want to tell her by an open mind because we're, we're not you know circa 1990, 2005 uh, area where you know something new every year, two, three I mean we've got stuff hitting the market every month and and opinions we've got some of the you know we got some really smart people doing things now and keep an eye out because things are changing a lot.
2: Yeah,
0: for sure. And you got somebody come in with, you know, you get some of those names that are out there now that are really doing well. And, you know, they come and say, Hey, you know, this is the cleaning method I'm doing and this is the reason that I'm doing it. I'm going to listen, you know, oh, yeah. I'm going to hear what they, yeah. you know, there- there's new stuff coming out. Just like you say, it's so fast. You can't even keep up now.
1: Oh uh, yeah, no, actually um, I, I'm, I'm actually taking my barrels off and um, it's pretty easy for me with a, a barrel vice and I'm using some of those, you know, chemicals from we'll talk about place i'll be using vortex stuff right now yep. and i i actually will just fill i'm i don't like sitting there with running brushes and patches and for 20 minutes and i'll actually uh, plug the barrel and, and fill it and so far i haven't had any issues but uh, yeah. something we'll we'll dive into another time but that's how i do i do it a very kind of lazy way
0: yeah i think that's what we probably do is you to take notes and do another podcast on cleaning yeah i think kit. so Give it uh, the attention it deserves. And in the interim period, we'll go out and, and reach out to some of these people and get some of these products
1: in here so we can try them out. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, that's a great idea. We'll we'll touch on that.
0: Cool. Uh let's go to the next one.
2: All right.
0: Uh, basically, gentleman shooting a 30 out six, 10 pound range. He's having a hard time spotting hits or misses on the deer, but when he moves down to a 25 out six, obviously we're dealing with a lot of lighter bullets in he can uh, sights move up and to the left. Um, and it's going to depend on his position. Basically what his question is, what do I see during recoil Mm -hmm. is, is what do you see during recoil? Let me make sure I'm good on that. What do you see when you're in
1: recoil? And does he, does he specify if he's shooting prone or off of like a tree limb or supported positions? Does does not. not.
0: Yeah. But he had, he had referred to uh, Philip Vallejo's video that he had just done on recoil. And I guess he had a, a camera through the scope. Um, and so they're just, you know, if you're building a poor position and the rifle goes up and to the left, mm-hmm. um, in my experience, it might be just a little bit to the left. But uh, basically what this question boils down to, and I very much appreciate this question, um, is, you know, what do I see during recoil? And uh, you want to tackle that one first,
1: then I'll give you mine. Sure. Um, well, uh, the, just the quick and dirty and honest way to say it is the, the better your position, the more you're going to see um mm-hmm. it's uh you know i don't want to take any way your thunder but you know bullet goes one way rifle goes the other um yeah. i mean it's just the way it goes uh what i see now don't be wrong i do see uh, i think we all do if we're not really on our game or paying attention we'll we'll see some up and left is right-handed shooters as the the easiest way to exploit us uh the rifle and the recoil is uh uh out and to the right or down and and to the right so it kicks the uh the muzzle and therefore the reticle up to the left uh high left um what i i mean i, I we're all going to see some uh version of that and, and sometimes we do get a really really good position and the crosshairs just rock you know come straight back um yep. i'm i'm currently uh doing some ammo testing load development for um company client whatever you want to call it uh, and i'm doing 300 norma since he was something mm-hmm. a thirty out six, it's braked, but I would say that it's probably got, you know more recoil than the thirty out six does, even braked. Yeah. And I am able to. I've I've shot it off barricades. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that, but I've shot it off barricades. I've shot it prone. The, the rifle weighs about sixteen pounds, so it's not crazy heavy for a three hundred norma. Mm-hmm. I'm able to you know sometimes at you know maybe three hundred yards or so, it might get a little bit uh, touchy. Three or four hundred yards but anything past it i'm seeing pretty much everything and if even at 3 or 4 yards if if i back to power down i'm i'm pretty well seeing and i think a lot of that's just me blinking uh, sometimes that yep. i don't see it it's not actually the recoil but yeah i right. i hate to I, I never want to say hey you know you really got to work on that position you should be seeing those shots but you kind of yep. should be seeing those shots
0: yeah well you should and uh, i'll dive into it here the, uh, the thing about it is that going if the, if the guns going to the left, it, it's something that you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere in your position over the years we've kind of identified three different areas where that would happen. One, if we don't have a 90 degree square shoulder, mm-hmm. you know to the right, it was something solid. If you have some sort of angle and you're in the lay of your shoulders and where the, where the gun butts up into the shoulder pocket, you know that recoil is going to exploit that angle. Another one is the trigger. Uh, if you're if you're coming back especially on heavy recoiling rifles, you know if you're coming back on that trigger, and it's coming back into the back into the right, like if you're pulling the trigger, like with a curling motion, mm-hmm. rather than a straight. Then the rifles is you know it's going to vibrate whenever it shoots. It's going to act like a tuning fork and kind of bounce off to the left there. That's what we commonly see with right-handed shooters. And the last one is how low holding that shoulder that gun into the shoulder pocket. Um, again, thirty out six. I'm going to hold that sucker pretty good in the oh, shoulder yeah. pocket, just right break in the ten pound range because I don't want to give that gun a, a running start at me. But holding it into my shoulder pocket, <laughs> what can happen is. What I, where I think that I'm holding the rifle at 6 o'clock straight back into the shoulder pocket, what I'm actually doing is holding it back at like 5 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm putting differential pressure on the stock, and so whenever the vibration goes, the recoil exploits that differential pressure. Uh, if that is the case, and I've seen that with several students um, of late, uh, what I'll tell them is go ahead and hold that rifle into your shoulder pocket, but rather than holding it at 6 o'clock, hold it at 7 o'clock. And you know where you're putting that tension back on there on your shoulder pocket, like at seven o'clock. Whenever you do that, if it starts just to you know vibrate straight up, then you know you solve the problem. So now it's time to dry fire because your your seven o'clock is your new six o'clock, so to speak.
1: Oh no, I agree. Uh, that that's a really good point. We'll spell that one out a little bit. Is uh, if you've been doing something, I don't uh, sometimes wrong or sometimes different, and you're changing it. Uh, I hear a lot of people go, man, that doesn't feel right. Well, yeah, it doesn't feel right because what feels right to you it, it has been wrong. You've been doing something wrong for so long that it feels right. It, it feels natural. It feels comfortable. So when you when you make those adjustments, like you said, oh, it feels like it's six o'clock, but it's really eight o'clock. Um, yeah. And people are going, I'm sure they're going to tell you, right, well, that doesn't feel right. Well, yeah, just keep doing this and eventually it, it will feel comfortable. But for now, you yeah. know, change is always or most always going to be pretty uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, that's uh, uncomfortable, becomes acceptable, becomes comfortable.
1: Ah, that's a good one. Um, yeah. Yeah, right, and I, no. I, yeah. I don't I don't really think the caliber makes that much. Well, it makes a difference in, like you said, I think for me, the, the, the bigger the caliber, the harder, the more I'm going to make sure that's in my shoulder.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to hold it a little bit tighter. But now I will tell you this, you know, on mine, I do see, I do see the rifle go up a little bit, mm-hmm. like maybe a half, three quarters of a mil. I will see that. And I kind of attribute that to, you know, the gun is is vibrating. And so it's going to, when it vibrates on that, on the bipod legs or whatever, it's going to kind of, kind of goes up a little bit, but it certainly doesn't put me out of my field of view or anything like that.
1: Yeah. And uh, what I do to help guys out, I have some of the F class setup rigs and all that, that I use for load development or just because I buy everything I can find. And uh, I, I take guys and, and those are specifically set up to keep that rifle moving straight back. And I show them and it's pretty crazy. You, you set that thing up on there and uh, you pull the trigger or squeeze it, press the trigger, and literally the crosshairs, they might move slightly up, but everything just comes straight back, just straight back. And yeah. that's why I tell guys, look, anything other than that is now us. Anything besides that, we've done it, you know, to ourselves. Yeah.
0: Well, that was uh, years and years ago. We had Jacob Staffordson up on the on the tower, and he had a 1,000-yard adventurous rifle at the time with a three hundred eight Bear. Mm-hmm. And so he would pick that thing up because, you know, he had one of those no-ounce triggers on it. Uh, set up for bench rest and so he set it up in his front rest and those those rifles are made to slide you know, yeah. back and forth and so he would set it up in a thousand yard target and he would actually manipulate the trigger with a pistol and that rifle it didn't it didn't jump anywhere it just slid straight to the rear on the backs so it was kind of yeah okay so if the gun's doing something else it's probably because we're putting some clear input that we don't want to
1: yeah, and I think uh, maybe another pocket, we'll go more into it, uh, something that I think, uh, especially if you shoot any lighter cartridges, these 6 millimeters, even 6.5s and on down, uh, that people start forgetting, or people that just started, that's all they've ever shot. They, they don't shoot magnums, they don't shoot anything. And I see them, they, ne- they neglect uh, putting any rear pressure with their bottom three, with their firing hand, and they're not, right. you know, getting it in there. I think maybe that's something we'll touch on another day, is that's kind of, you know, that's...
0: Uh, you talking about free recoil?
1: Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Well,
0: all right. But, yeah, you know that's a really new concept. It was invented back in the 30s with the venturous guy.
1: Oh yeah, I, I was doing it as a kid. I didn't even know what it was called. I just knew that uh, if I just pulled backed away from the rifle a little bit, uh, the crosshairs didn't move as much. And uh, but right. I but that was back when uh, we didn't have as good eye reliefs and and things like that. And I have a couple scars in the center of my forehead uh, thanks to that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, if I don't get scope bit by a three hundred win mag every four years, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, cool. Another one here, and you know this one's on this one's on reloading.
2: Mm.
0: Um, how about we tackle that one tomorrow? Okay. And uh, I can move on to what else I want to do here. Um, the, one of the things that I, I want to I really want to bring up we got a we got a um, email from Guy DeMarco who's working over there in the in the southeast. Oh, okay. And uh, I, I spoke to him about coming on the podcast and you and I got, we were doing our different things. I told him, Hey, we're going to get time. Maybe we maybe we can get him on here within the next week or so. But he expressed a really, really strong interest on, and he wants to talk about it and I don't blame him, but about sponsor support mm-hmm. and uh, how good it is and that we might, you know, need to pay a little bit more attention to, you know, showing appreciation to the sponsors that are out there because he's, he's got a really good sponsor network. And they're working really good for him, but he also realizes that other people have good sponsorship networks too, and he feels like that all of them should be should be acknowledged for what they're doing, and that we should be buying their products. And so I'm I, I want I just wanted to give him a shout out right now, and we will get him on the podcast for sure. Uh, the other thing is, yeah, um, I'll leave that one for tomorrow too. I'll okay. Leave that one for tomorrow. Okay. So what we did here uh, just since uh, Monday, we've been doing the uh, Rimfire Academy the RF one out here at rifles only. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, we had eight people in the class.
1: Uh, That's a a good class.
0: Yeah. 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 We shot out far, uh, today we were shooting movers at 200. Uh, we shot, we shot a lot of the stuff that we did during the, uh, during the competition a few weeks ago down here at the, at the championship Mm -hmm. and we're able to get people to be a little bit more efficient with what they were doing, get them on the fundamentals and everything else. But anyway, um, one of the students in the class is named Molly, and she is here with us today. Say hi, Molly. Hi. Well, I just wanted you to come on the podcast because I wanted you, one, you know, you're 15 years old and you haven't been doing this too long, but how'd you get in this?
3: Um. Well, one day my dad went out to shoot and we didn't have much in common. So it looked interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And I asked him if I could try it. And the first time I shot, I heard a ting and then a light went off and I was just interested. It is such an amazing sport and i love it
0: so the hook was set you were
1: that's going to cost dad money
0: (laughs) yeah yeah well he had made the comment earlier that before they started shooting together he didn't like her music he didn't really like too much they didn't have too much and now have too much to bond together and now they're together like constantly shooting that's that's good that's that's good he's a lot poorer now but you know hey that's on him (laughs) but uh who got your dad first and then you started to reach out you started to go to competitions what what happened
3: um, my first competition was a 22, um, and I went out because I made a bench because at Rush Lake Range, they had some good benches, um, and I just wanted to make one and help out. So I went to drop one off, and they were having a competition the next day, mm-hmm. and it looked really interesting to me. And so I went in, There's uh, there's another spot open for me to shoot, and um, there was a girl there. Her name is Ruth. Mm-hmm. and she's with midwest precision shooting such a great company um and she said yes of course we can get you in
0: and that's Ruth... Percy yeah 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 she was here not long ago Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah I remember
0: yeah her and Michelle and Reeks mm-hmm. were all here so yeah we had a really good time during that class too yeah she's a great girl so yeah. but she she got you into the comp and then what happened
3: and then it just took off from there she sent me some like videos on how I can get better she mm-hmm. introduced me to a lot of people um there's a great shooting community that I have
0: yeah yeah I need to bring that up the, that crew is up there in the Minnesota area that that is a really really strong uh, shooting community up there uh Brian Autry came down to the the championship as well so we got a chance to meet him and we're, we're also doing a class up there in Minnesota so that works good well how did you do on your first competition
3: good there was 16 guys and I came in sixth place out of all
0: That's really that's not bad at all for a first time. Nice, nice. And then what was your what was your next match? Um. Twenty
3: two X. Twenty
0: two X match. Twenty two X. Okay, where was that one?
3: Rush Lake Range.
0: Rush Lake Range again. All right, cool. How'd you do on that one? Um brain Clark can't remember yeah i know i've done so many matches since then. all right well that's good that's good that's good well i know that i know that y'all have uh at your house you've got a 200 yard range that you practice on yes sir and um tell me about this tell me about this shooting house that you have because i know that the weather is not mm-hmm. south texas as far as temperatures up there <laughs> Yes.
3: Yeah. um so my dad and i built a shooting shack mm-hmm. so when you walk in um, to the right-hand side, we have a shooting bench, which, mm-hmm. fo- which folds up and folds down. Mm-hmm. And then we've got two sliding windows that will open. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to the left, we've got a bench with all of our reloading supplies. So mm-hmm. we can reload 6-5 Creedmoor. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what all we, re- all we reload right now.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and then
3: once you go straight back, we've got our gun safe. Mm-hmm. And then we've got um, cupboards. And we have our bags mm-hmm. and reloading supplies supplies, powders, primers.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Very good. Is it heated? Yes. It is heated. Okay. Wow. So it, it could be cold outside and you could like open up a window just a little bit and shoot out the window. Yes,
2: sir.
0: Very nice. Very nice. That's the only way to do it. We're down here in South Texas and we, we hunt out of deer blinds down here mm-hmm. and we do the same thing. We get these little portable heaters because when they get 70, we're wearing a jacket. You know what I mean? It gets cold.
1: Well, oh, you right. all me 70's bad.
0: Yeah. Well, it was 70 today out on the range and I was I was still wearing a jacket. So yeah, <laughs> That was the way it went. Well, well, good. Well, how 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 are you doing in the in the standings now? What's some highlights of some different matches that you have?
3: Um, some highlights. They're going to be all the great people that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting much better at controlling my breathing and my fundamentals.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, since there's so many great guys out there, um, if I hadn't if I've had a rough stage, they will correct me. Mm-hmm. And after the that stage specifically that I'm working on they'll come up to me and they'll give me some better ideas of what would help me there and what I did good mm-hmm. so it's just a lot of having a really great shooting community with me
0: well good good and y'all y'all have done some y'all done some barricades out at your practice range and take yes, traps and things like that to shoot off of yes sir all right so how much do you how much do you think you're shooting in in an average week in your practice um just are you talking
3: average. rounds or hours
0: just, just hours, because that includes dry fire, and I know that you know the, life, the value of dry fire.
3: Probably a week, seven, eight hours a day, or seven, eight hours a week.
1: Seven, eight hours a week.
3: Probably an hour yeah. and a half a day.
1: Yeah. Fair. So it's more than right. most everyone else on the planet. Yeah, more, exactly right, David.
0: Exactly right. Well, that's cool, man. I'm glad to hear that. I, I heard that you made a, a pretty incredible group not long ago with your yeah. 22. Tell me about that one.
3: Um, I was at King of at Rush Lake Range, mm-hmm. and we were, it was a long range bonus stage, right? And we I was shooting a group out at um, 200 yards, 400 yards? 400 yards. 400 yards. And um, I made a group about the size of your fist at 4 MOA? Well, 2 MOA. Wait, away. MOA. Mm-hmm. Um, with 4 shots? So 4 shots.
1: Not bad. Well, yeah Did you say a you two MOA at four hundred yards or the twenty two?
0: Yeah, that's yeah. what she did. 0.2 MOA at four hundred yards with a twenty two. Mm. But she's got a better than that with center fire. And that was shooting a prairie dog target. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell me
3: Um, I was shooting a prairie dog out at nine hundred and twenty five yards with a six five more. Mm-hmm. And it was a bonus stage also, I believe. And I asked if I could go first, because I wanted to, I was really excited about this stage, um, because I've been doing a lot of dry fire with that, and um, it took me one shot to get on the prairie dog, and then I just hammered it consecutively at, at like, seven more rounds after that. Okay. Awesome. And how how
2: many people have been on a stage?
3: Um,
2: There's 16 of
0: them. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else even come close? No, no. Oh, I was going to say that'll yeah.
1: hurt some feelings, especially doing it first.
0: <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, good. Um, I, I said, I appreciate you being here. Uh, one of the things I wanted you to, to talk about a little bit. I know you just got you just finished the course today. Yes, uh, uh, doing the the rifles only rimfire academy. Uh, tell me about your experience with that. How'd that go?
3: Um, it was amazing. I learned a whole bunch. I know that you corrected me and helped me fix some of my. Um, fundamentals that I was on exactly doing right, such mm-hmm. as breathing. Um, you said my follow-through was pretty good. Need mm-hmm. to get a little bit better on my breathing. Mm-hmm. And my trigger control could be worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot. Don't rest your shot. Um, take your time. Never push a bad shot. Right. So I learned a whole bunch. i um, going to take that all into consideration.
0: Did you take notes? Yes, sir. Okay. So you know everything that you did over the last two and a half days? Yes. Yeah. Good, good. So that'll give you a chance to go back to it. Well, fantastic. Well, good. Well, like I said, it's um, that, you know, you're up from Minnesota, and uh, I appreciate y'all making the trip all the way down here to do this. I mean, it was, uh, it was we were supposed to be uh, shooting with y'all later this month, but something came up, so we weren't able to do that. And I talked to your father and uh, invited y'all down to go ahead and do this course because you have nationals coming up pretty soon, correct? Yeah. When are the nationals? End of the month. End of end of the month. month? Okay. So, end of the month, so that this will just to give you a little baby train up for it anyway, hopefully. Yes, sir. Hopefully give you something to choose with. Well, that's good. That's good. And uh, again, we're going to be, uh, we'll be out in Minnesota again. I think I'll see you out there again in August. Uh, we just, so. um, oh yeah, absolutely. The first class that we did out there, uh, we filled it up before Brian got here for the Texas championship. And since then Brian has come up, we've scheduled another course. It's right after the match there. So if anybody's interested in, in hopping in on the, on the Rimfire Academy while we're going to be in Minnesota. That's uh, right at the end of August. So we'll be able to do that. And um, well, good, Molly. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, it has uh, been a Jacob,
1: uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I, if you don't mind, I had just one quick question for her, since she shoots both center sure. fire and Rimfire. Yeah. Uh, so you took the the, the rim fire Academy. How do you feel? Do you feel that it's going to help your center fire as well?
3: Yes, sir. So, like, mm-hmm. Go ahead. I they will go as far as centerfire. They will be with everything that you do.
1: Awesome. So you don't feel like, hey, I should go. Or no, I mean, you always want to take as much class, but you don't feel like that you lost out anything or, or didn't get anything by taking the rimfire instead of a centerfire.
3: Yes, sir. I felt like I got a whole bunch of information, and it was it would be great in both classes.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Our next class with
0: me is PR1 and 2, centerfire. So we'll sort that out or
1: later yeah well that's good she gets up then we can have her back and she can give us her opinions um on both pros and cons you know what she feels like because i'm yeah. sure one's gonna pick up on some things better than the other one.
0: Oh no she's in love with both of them so i think that's going to be one of those i think it's going to be good for all the way around that, awesome. uh, that you know the, we, the way we started that with that rimfire academy I, I told everybody on day one i'm handling this exactly as if it's a center fire class and i so, should the same way yeah yeah, we did the same way. That short the uh, ranges were a little bit shorter, but that was about it. I mean, we uh, we did everything. We were using all the props, with all the movers. Uh, it worked out really good, and she shot really well. Uh, everyone in the class shot really well. Um, it, was just, it was just really enjoyable to have this crew down here. It was a good way to good way to get started. Well, Molly, do you have anything else for us?
3: Um, yes. Yeah. Okay, I am shooting a Begara B14 right now, mm-hmm. and it is amazing. It is one of the best rifles I have ever shot. They are an absolutely great company. Um, I highly recommend their barrels.
0: Yeah, yeah, your your gun shot well and it never malfunctioned the whole time. And we were in yeah. some dirty conditions, and and you were not exactly babying it, and it kept performing. So I was I was happy about that. Good. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good thing. Great yeah.
3: company, highly recommended.
0: Perfect, perfect. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. Well, Dave, we're coming up on getting close to our time uh, We're close out here. So, uh, you got anything else for me?
1: Uh, no. I think because I I think you said we had a couple questions that we're going to get to tomorrow to give us some topics. Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah. Well, that one, that one I want to get to tomorrow is is one that I want to spend quite a bit of time on. Okay. So I I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I want to give it what it deserves.
1: Oh, perfect. Yeah.
0: We'll do that. But just
1: tell everybody, thanks for, for listening. We're, we're getting really good numbers. Uh, That email, like you said, is blowing up and, and the more, uh, the more you guys email us on that, uh, ROAP, right? ROAP. At R-O-A-P.
0: R-O-A-P at riflesonly.com.
1: Yeah. The more you guys send to us, then the more we're talking about exactly what you want to hear and not just what we want to talk about.
0: Right. For sure. For sure. Uh, I want to, I want to look through some stuff here right quick before I, before I close this out. Uh, um, I, I know that there's one other thing that I wanted to go back. I wanted to go back and, and visit with you about. kind yeah. interesting. Um, there were some people in the in the class uh, this week that were using some interesting terms, and Uh-oh. it was about uh, perfect versus acceptable wobble. Oh, and uh, so they're they're podcast people, and um, they were. And brothers, two brothers and a father, and uh, we had a really good time with them. But I think that that whenever we were talking about that on one of the last podcasts, that 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 kind of hit home with people. And um, I felt like that we covered it. I, I don't know if you've, if you've done any spent any time thinking about it later, but um, I, I really think that that hit home with a lot of people about you know what's acceptable and
1: what's not. No it's a, it's a huge topic and and it was the same for me and I think most anybody once you uh, we get into it and we we either want to be too perfect or we don't know what's good enough uh, and and knowing that and and, and part of it is uh, you know it depends on the target obviously it depends on a lot of stuff the target size but knowing that we're i mean prone yes uh stand on a super very very stable barricade or something yes uh but everything else we're just you're gonna it's gonna be a uh, uh a compromise between that wobble right. and and speed really uh and other things and sometimes it's not even speed sometimes you just you know you're shooting off a you, you know, a pretty unstable prop and that's as, as much as you can get. But I think just knowing that you don't have to be perfect and you can still hit very small targets is a big, big uh, mental game thing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, cool, man. Yeah. I just wanted to touch on that one one more time. Cause I think, it, I think that kind of hit home with a lot of people. All right, man. Anyway, that's good. Uh, we'll, we'll hit another, we'll get another podcast tomorrow. I really want to thank you Molly for coming in and visiting with us and thank you for making the trip from Minnesota down here. It's fantastic to meet you and your father. Uh, y'all are great people. I know that, I know that we've got lifelong friendships going on here. So, and I very much appreciate that because like I say, this, um, I think I even told y'all the only reason I do this is to meet the people, you know, it's it's very cool. And, and I appreciate it. And, uh, Jason, thank you for bringing her down. It has been Mm -hmm. an absolute pleasure to meet you and, and to meet Molly and, and hang out and maybe we'll see a rattlesnake before y'all have to leave texas tomorrow i doubt it <laughs> I, I can go
1: find one for you tomorrow if you want they're not hard down here
0: yeah she was, she was looking around she she was looking around but we didn't see any and thank god we didn't see any I, i've had that i had that rattlesnake scare and so i'm i'm i'm, I'm reimagining how i feel about those little suckers <laughs> yeah so uh,
1: uh i'm, I'm kind of like a rifle to, uh, the snake goes one way and, and i go the other
0: so. <laughs> the snake goes one way and david goes the other
1: oh yeah i don't i don't hang out with them much that's uh that, that's uh that's the uh how i got bit story when you start messing with them yeah yeah there's there's lots of those out there
0: all right yeah tomorrow we're going to get in on another on another training topic and then we're going to tackle some more of these questions that are coming in on, on rifles only accuracy podcast guys i cannot tell you how much i appreciate y'all spending the time to listen to the podcast um, again thank you David for, for making all this happen we'll see you tomorrow for sure and uh, Molly Jason thanks again for y'all coming
1: and uh, oh, yeah a great
0: opportunity.
1: Cool. cool also I'll get to meet you guys in Minnesota I'm sure if not before so yeah. uh, sorry I couldn't be up there to meet you this week
0: all right very cool man where's that rock music
1: uh, I think it's coming hit the button hit the button <laughs> oh there it is I didn't have the sound up whoo okay. That's right.